Hello and welcome to the Writer's Mindset Podcast with me, Ellie Betts. And I have taken over again by myself this week without Christina, who is busy working on things as well. I just wanted some time alone and wanted to go over with you a previous episode that we released earlier this year and to add a few things to that for you. The episode in question is setting writing goals you'll actually stick to. It's easier said than done, um, by which I mean it's very easy to sit down and say, I'm going to write 10 books this year, or I'm going to write 2,000 words every day, or I'm going to read this giant novel next week. But it's not typically quite as easy in practice. Now, obviously, goals and setting goals comes in all sorts of different forms, and people do stick to them, don't get me wrong, but I am not good at sticking to goals. Although, having said that, what I actually mean is I have gotten better at setting goals and achieving goals in the last year or so, and I wanted to share some things, some tips, some advice with you surrounding that. So, uh, I will go through some things I've learned over the last year or two with you, and then we'll replay the original episode so that you can uh, re-familiarise yourself with everything we discussed before as well. A big shout out to our new patron, Georgia Kirby. She has subscribed to us on Patreon. Thank you very, very much. And welcome to the gang. So today, the three main things I want to cover are setting the right goals, what to do when you don't quite hit those goals, and techniques to hit those goals um, in that order. So the first thing I want to mention that was discussed in the original episode as well was the fact that when you are setting goals you've got to tailor them to your needs. Setting new year's resolutions for instance is not necessarily a good idea. There's a lot of pressure. Are you setting it for the right reasons? Are you being realistic with yourself? You know, you need to work out where you want to be in terms of the, your writing projects or your writing goals in the next year, and then you need to break that down. So the best way to set the goals is to work out where you need to be. So whether or not that is January the 1st that you start, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if it's December the 20th. It doesn't matter if it's the middle of June. Don't wait until a set point to start. You are starting today. You are setting your goals today and you are setting the deadline for those goals in X amount of time. When you choose your goals for the year, say, you can then break them down. Um, One trick that Christina mentions in the original episode is she sets quarterly goals. And then from those quarterly goals, you can set monthly and weekly targets. The more you break it down, the easier you're going to find it to stick to those goals. When it's broken down, you come to sit down to do a task for whichever project you're currently working on. If you have 10 things that need doing, you can easily just pick one up and do it that's more tangible, that's easier to get done in the short term. And when you're continually doing things in the short term, you're going to find that eventually they add up to things getting done in the long term. Another thing when it comes to setting the right goals that I personally feel is very important 
is not comparing yourself to other people. Now, as you as a listener will know, me and Christina are at vastly different points in our writing careers. And that's brilliant. Obviously, Christina has now published 16 books, some nonfiction, mostly fiction, in like three different series. Um, She knows her process. She knows how quickly she can get things done as well. That's important. How much she can do. Um, And she has more experience in terms of knowing her limits and knowing where to push herself as well. So she can take all of that additional knowledge into um, setting her goals. I mean, I won't speak for her. I'm sure if you ask her, she'll tell you what kind of goals she's setting. But um, she she is in a different place. So if she's going to be setting goals like, okay, I'm going to publish three, four, whatever books next year. I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. So as well as knowing her limitations and when to push herself, she is more familiar with how much she's capable of doing and can probably get certain things done faster than I could. I, for instance, am aiming to publish one book next year. It will be my very first book. So I've got much more of a learning curve. Um, I've got lots to lots of experience to gain. Obviously, I I still feel like I'm going in with a certain amount of experience, but there's things that I don't know about yet. I don't know how to do them. I also don't know how long they're going to take me. I don't know if I have the capacity to do more than one book next year, but I'm certainly not going to set myself a goal of four books when I know that I don't even know how to do one yet. Do you see what I mean? These goals don't necessarily have to be in terms of number of books written. But what I'm trying to demonstrate here is when you're setting your goals, if I were to try and set the same kind of goals as Christina for the same kind of area, book writing, I just wouldn't achieve it. It's not doable. The goals I am setting need to be specific to me and your goals need to be specific to you. Even if you're not publishing books, obviously don't put down published books if you're not publishing books. You might be um, writing short stories. You might be just finishing the first novel. You might be finishing your 10th novel. You might be doing any number of things in between. What I'm saying is take some time to consider where you are Take time to consider what you want to achieve next year and what you can achieve next year. Don't go easy on yourself. We're here to push forwards. We're here to make moves. We're here to get shit done. But equally, it's just as important not to set yourself too much because you're not going to achieve everything. And that's okay. Slow steps. Slow steps are better than no steps. Oh, that rhymes. So occasionally, uh, not always, you will aim for a particular goal, you will aim for a particular achievement, and you won't necessarily hit that achievement. And something we mentioned before in the original episode again was about still rewarding yourself when that happens. Now that might sound counterproductive. You know, you don't get the chocolate unless you do all of the jobs, right? Or the cookies or the ice cream or, you know, you don't get the game time. It sounds like you shouldn't be rewarding yourself unless the job is done, right? I'm going to say yes and no. On the one hand, yes, you don't reward yourself for doing nothing. Um, You're not going to get very far if you keep giving yourself the reward and you haven't earned it. You know, you can trick your brain after a long time of doing the job and getting the reward. You can trick your brain into looking forward to that and it will help you in the long run become more productive, in fact. But there's something to be said for rewarding yourself when you almost hit it it's like aiming for the moon and you still hit the stars you've still made it all the way to the stars you're still in outer space you know and obviously we're not 
literally aiming to get to the moon. But if you're aiming, say, for instance, you think, okay, this month I need to write 20,000 words. That's a good target. That's a lot of words. That's potentially about half a novel in a month. Um, So that's good going. If you hit 20,000 words, your reward is, for instance, bottle of champagne, just as something that that random bottle of champagne. You think, okay, this is the last 20,000 words I need. When I hit that, the second half of my novel is done. I'm opening the champagne to celebrate. Well, you only hit 15,000 words because, you know, let's say life got in the way. You, I don't know, broke your ankle and your dog was sick and you know, sounds like I'm imagining a terrible life for you now. That's not the point. The point is life sometimes gets in the way and you didn't hit your goal. In this instance, you've still got an extra 15,000 words on your novel and you're almost there. So even though you didn't quite hit the moon at 20,000, you got pretty damn close. And that achievement, that, that amount of work you've done that amount of words on the page is still an achievement and needs to be rewarded. So there's no point in just going, oh, I don't deserve the champagne, because you do. You still deserve to be rewarded for what you have done, but it's not that black and white. If you continue to reward yourself when you try, when you almost succeed, and when you are still progressing, it's going to be more beneficial in the long run because you're still getting those positive associations with doing the work, and you can then keep going forward because you're more made mo- more motivated to do so. Definitely something that I have learned recently. Finally then, I just wanted to take you through a couple of actual techniques I have been using to get shit done in the past year or so. So in the past year, I have completed um, three big assignments at uni, one of them being a dissertation that was 20,000 words, um, which was hard to get through. I have been drafting my first novel and I have been redecorating. I know that's not writing related, but I've also been doing redecorating and um, all sorts of other stuff in between. But mostly the writing has been the biggest focus. And so I have, um, with a lot of patience from Christina, been trying to work out the best methods for getting shit done because my brain doesn't want to do shit. My brain is very lazy and likes to do nothing but play games. So even though I feel a sense of achievement when I'm doing these things, it's not always as simple as just doing it. However, two big things have really helped with this. The first one was my word count spreadsheet. Now, there are a lot of word count spreadsheets out there. Not all of them are suited to everybody, I think is the best way to say it. It depends what you're trying to get out of the the word count tracker, basically. If you've not used one before, you can... um, just Google it. There'll be tons of them out there. It'll just track how many words you're currently at, how where you want to get to, um, how many you do per day, when you'll reach your goal, maybe, stuff like that. Um, the one I set up was actually much more rudimental than that. I had sort of a calendar. It was an Excel spreadsheet. Um, I had a calendar along one side and I put my final word count at the end of the month. So say 10,000 words or whatever it was that month. If I needed to get to 10,000 words by the end of the month then I needed to be at 5,000 by the 15th of the month, say, which meant by the 7th, I needed to be at two and a half. Now, it sounds like not very much two and a half thousand words in a week, which it isn't. It's perfectly doable. But breaking it down very small like that made it feel more tangible. Being able to see that, okay, first week of July or whatever it was, (laughs) first week of July, I need to have two and a half thousand words done. That 
held me accountable because my brain wants to go, no, no, do it tomorrow. Do it another day. Don't do it today. When in actual fact, if I can see, okay, I need to have two and a half thousand words done by this day. If I don't, I've got to have 5,000 done by the following week. So where am I going to fit in the time to do all of those words? And seeing that on the page stretched out made it feel more real and held me accountable to myself, which sounds silly, but that's what I needed. And it made so much difference because, okay, yeah, if I put it off today, I move it over one column. Well, but I've got more words that column already. You know, there's there's no room to move it. I've just got to sit down and get it done. So that helped me a lot. And this again, this, it's not mind-blowing stuff. It just made a big difference to me. Now, the only time I'd really used planners before was at school when we were made to use planners. And it didn't really click with me. It was just I had to put everything in there. I didn't really use it to manage my time. I just used it because I had to. And we were sort of monitored to make sure we were using it, which is counterproductive. But there you go. So the, the planner had never really featured in my adult life at all. I know Christina uses a planner. And in fact, I got her a planner for Christmas um, a couple of years ago, which she still uses. So <laughs> I thought they must be good, right? And it took a little bit of sort of trial and error for me to get the hang of using the planner even there are so many little things out there that people just think you either know how to do or you don't you know or or you should just know how to do like using a planner but in actual fact it was trial and error and me working out how to use it best for me um there are lots of different planners out there i can include a link in the show notes to the one i got on amazon uh it has it's not dated, which means I can open it up and start the week that week, put in everything I need to do, put the dates in, and it has overall focuses for the week. And then you can break that down into to-do lists and filter that into your daily to-do lists. It's one of those things that I didn't realize how much of a difference it would make. Because again, I can then see everything in front of me that needs to be done. Instead of me thinking, no, I'm, I can't be bothered to do anything tonight. I'll do something tomorrow. I can see all the list of things that need to be done this week. And oh shit, again, if I don't do them today, they've got to be done tomorrow or the next day. And there's already stuff waiting to be done those days. So it allowed me to more visually see all the stuff that had to be done and then when I had a bit of time after after my day job I clock off in the evening I could sit down okay and say okay what have I got scheduled in today oh that was a quick job I've already done that let me grab something from tomorrow's list maybe or sometimes I, I allow myself the flexibility of saying okay well I didn't manage to do all of that today but I could push that one thing to tomorrow but the tracking ability and the tangibility of it made such a difference. So if if you do struggle to remember all the things that need to get done, or just sometimes like me, you find your brain just thinks, oh, I don't have that much to do. I'll just, I'll, I'll have a night off tonight, stuff like that. Having it visually in front of me made such a difference. And I highly recommend that as well. So the word counter will help you to um, stick to your word count goals if that's one of your goals and the planner will just help you organize your life hopefully and make sure you're staying on top and moving forwards moving forwards is what we like right and progressing this week we're talking about goal setting which is super boring sorry christina it's only boring if you set the wrong kinds of goals like new year's resolutions oh yes you mean the ones where 
80% of people fail within the first 30 days, you're not giving me much hope here. That's because New Year's resolutions are bullshit. (laughs) Okay, then. But if you set the right goals in the right way, you can surpass even your wildest dreams. Okay, I'm intrigued. Awesome. Let's go. So, goal setting. Tell me more about how it can make us better writers. When you have a goal, you have something to work towards. So it gives you more of a focus and helps you to avoid shiny object syndrome. Okay. And for anyone that doesn't know, what is shiny object syndrome? So it basically means when you get distracted by new stuff all the time, so you never actually finish anything. And it's a big problem for people who tend to have loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of ideas. I take it by the sounds of it, then either it's something you've had to deal with yourself oh totally it was an issue I had for so many years I can't even tell you and I really when I decided to commit to what happens in New York I almost had to put like creative blinkers on okay that's an interesting idea was it really as simple as just forcing yourself to put those on yes and no you it's one of those things you have to really really want it for it to actually work But I found that with them on, my ideas are of a much higher quality because I'm much more critical of them. When I was working on the What Happens In series, I didn't really have a new idea that wasn't related to that universe for a good three or four years, maybe even longer. That is a long time. How many would you say on average you had before that? I would say story-wise, maybe a couple of months, that short stories, novellas and novels. And I also wrote poetry as well. So needless to say, you didn't finish very much. I can imagine. But you obviously do now. I think I've lost track of how many books you've released. Twelve. Uh, <laughs> Twelve books. That's pretty good going. How Thank did you. you decide on your very first writing goal? What was your very first writing goal as well? So I knew for a long time that What Happens in New York was the first book I really wanted to publish. But it was more a case of how I wanted to go about it rather than what I wanted to publish but once I figured out the how I set myself a deadline and having that deadline was really really crucial to me actually meeting it and achieving the goal. What makes you say that? Why was the deadline so important? Because it really gave me a focus and something to work towards so say an opportunity came along or an idea came along I had to ask myself if it really helped me towards that goal and if it didn't I could make a note of it or say, sorry, I'm not interested if it was someone offering me an opportunity, for example. And then it either got abandoned or I could deal with it kind of later. That sounds kind of harsh. It is, but it's also necessary because if you have a goal, you will achieve it considerably faster and surpass it faster if you're focused. When you've got distractions, and that includes new ideas or opportunities that sound really good but are unrelated to your end goal, they hold you back like a lead on a dog. Mm, That's a really good analogy because you want your dog, which is your creativity, to be trained enough to feel comfortable letting it go off and explore, but also you need it to know its limits and when it needs to come back to you. Yeah, exactly. And it takes time to train your brain and your creativity to do that. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say is the most important part of goal setting? Not just for writing necessarily, for anything. I think specificity is really important because it's hard to achieve vague goals. 
how can you measure something if it's not specific? You need to be able to tick it off somehow. Mm, more tangible, like sell 100 books or make 100 pounds from your books. Yeah, exactly. What kind of person you are will depend on what you find motivating. Some people will find financial goals motivating. Some people, the number of books they publish. And what motivates someone this year might be different to what motivates them next year or what motivated them last year. Everyone changes. Absolutely. People should change. I think that's a good thing. Do you think these kind of goals work as New Year's resolutions, though? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Like I said, 80% fail within 30 days. Yeah, I decided a really long time ago not to bother with New Year's resolutions. So instead, I have yearly themes and the rest Mm. of my goals fit into that yearly theme. But I change my goals roughly every quarter. Okay, why do you do it that way instead of setting yearly goals? When you set quarterly goals, it's much more adaptable. So if something happens, like, you know, a global pandemic, you can change things much more easily. And it's also easier to focus because, again, it's smaller. If you're the kind of person that is prone to procrastinating, you've got much less time to be able to procrastinate. But also these smaller goals are less intimidating because they're not quite as beefy. They're broken down smaller, which makes them more, you can, you can almost see the light of the tunnel much more easily than if it's something super big and lofty. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's, if you can see the end, it's easier to carry on going, isn't it? Most people will have heard of SMART goals. Do you follow those? Sort of, but not really. I definitely think the specificity and the measurability from SMART goals are important, but I prefer something called OKRs. And I will admit, I used to hate these when I first introduced to them, and it took me a little bit of time to get my head around them but if you can then they are much more helpful for measuring results holding yourself accountable and challenging yourself as well what are okrs so they stand for objectives and key results and they started life at ibm and they've kind of taken over the startup world most a lot of small businesses now use them and they're actually the key to google's success and rapid growth in the early 2000s So they made a huge difference to one of the biggest companies in the world. And I believe they still use them 20 odd years later. The idea with them is you've got one big goal that you want to achieve and that's your objective. And then your key results are how you measure if you're on track to achieve them or not. I see. So the key thing there, I guess, is being able to measure your results somehow. Yeah. So if your goal is to get 100 downloads of your book, that is your objective. Your key result could be to run three Facebook ads or get so many clicks from a Facebook ad. You could take part in five newsletter swaps and get 500 people from those newsletter swaps. You could publish the next book in the series to cross promote your book. I see. I'm with you. Then your day to day to do list comes from the tasks you need to do to achieve your key result like you need to learn about Facebook ads you need to write the copy you need to design social share images that sort of thing and then at the end of the quarter you measure your success as a percentage based on the number of things that you have or haven't achieved okay that makes sense so it really breaks it down instead of having one large goal to work towards yeah exactly and like I say when it's done quarterly it's a lot easier to measure and you can adapt much more easily as well exactly and if 2020 has taught us anything it's that we need to be adaptable definitely how do you decide what your goal should be though 
that's when you really need to think longer term. So what do you want to achieve with your writing? What matters the most? My focus is usually on how much I publish and my relationship with readers, for example. And these help me to achieve my financial goals and I enjoy talking to readers as well. Okay, and what do you do when you reach your goal? Eat cookie dough ice cream. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) You need to reward yourself when you succeed, even if it's just a small win, like hitting your word count, because then you'll learn to associate what you've achieved with the warm, fuzzy feeling you get from that thing that you love. So eventually you'll train your brain to crave doing that thing without the reward. That makes sense. But also, controversially, say we should reward ourselves for our failures as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Because at the end of the day, you tried and most people don't even bother with that. So if, you know, you have tried and failed, when you kick yourself, you're dragging out the pain of that failure. So then you're less likely to try in the future. So instead... Think about what you've learned, what you could do differently next time, then go eat that ice cream. Ice cream or whatever else your reward may be. I'm a big fan of gaming as a reward. Nice. I I think the ultimate thing is that it's about training your brain to focus more and rewarding it for getting shit done, because that is one of the hardest things, particularly for writers, is to get over that procrastination. Absolutely. And I take it that that's how you manage to publish six books in a year. To a degree, yeah. But a lot of it required me building my confidence before I set myself those goals because if you lack the confidence in your skills and abilities it's a lot harder to do anything but a lot of the time people who lack confidence don't actually know that they lack confidence and that's what's holding them back really what makes you say that because it manifests differently for everyone procrastination is a prime example I remember when I was growing up my friends almost used to use their ability to procrastinate as like a a badge of honor, something they should be proud of. But procrastination is really just an excuse to run from problems and things that you don't want to deal with. It's just fear showing itself in a different way, the same as anxiety, depression, and sometimes even physical pain. I know that my chronic pain gets worse when I'm anxious about something because it's trying to, my body is trying to protect me and stop me from doing that thing that I'm afraid of. And the only way you can get past that is you face the thing that you're afraid of. So your pain might get worse for a little bit emotionally or physically, but because you've, you know, essentially been into battle, you fought yourself, right? But when you come out the other side, it is the most incredible feeling because it's just like a sense of freedom, both in your joints if they're really tight and mentally if you've been holding on to a lot of emotional pain. It sounds like you've got a lot of experience with this. Is that why you set up the creative confidence class? Yeah, it teaches how to get over what's holding you back using some of the techniques that helped me. So instead of running away from whatever is holding you back, it teaches us to face things head on. That sounds quite challenging. It is, but I truly think that it is the key to success. And if more writers faced their emotional roadblocks, they would be much more successful. Hmm, I see where you're coming from. Where can people find out more about this? So they can check it out at writerscookbook.com forward slash creative confidence class. That's all one word. And I will make sure that we include a link in the show notes for you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've seen the impact some of these activities in there can have on people and I do genuinely highly recommend them. I know one member of our community in particular faced the negativity that was bothering her, that was really holding her back and it helped her bring her character to life in the end. It really did. Yeah, it's really surprising what you can discover 
by doing some of these activities. Mm, Fantastic. So to sum up, goals that you set yourself should be specific, measurable, short, and rewarded, even if you do fail. Yeah. And if you're struggling to decide on what yours are, think about the bigger picture. Think about kind of almost lifetime picture. What would you like to look back on on your life and say that you've achieved? What are you filled with desire to do right now? And do you think you can maintain that desire for the next quarter? Because that is really key because you will hit moments when you're like, I don't want to do this. I'm going to go play Planet Coaster. If you're you know, having a day or whatever to play your favorite game for a little bit is fine. But if you're using that as a way to avoid writing, then you're not driven enough to work on that project. Yeah, that makes sense. I like the idea of wanting to do it, but analyzing if you want it enough to stay motivated. Yeah, I really, truly think staying motivated is the hardest part. And that's why a lot of people have unfinished books. Heck, that's why I I didn't finish about 50 ideas in about 10 years. (laughs) I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah. So if you can work out if you can stay motivated before you start, then you're already setting yourself up for success. Hmm, I like this idea. How can we do that, though? Think about how much you want to tell this story, this one in particular. How much work are you willing to put in? Because it'll probably be more work than you think it will be and more work than you want it to be. (laughs) I'm nodding aggressively for anyone who's not watching the video. (laughs) Speaking from experience with um, Alex Warrington? Definitely from experience, but (laughs) I'm loving every second of it, I promise you. (laughs) And that's what matters, you know. Another thing to ask yourself is, do you give up too easily? Because if you are from that camp, then maybe you need an accountability buddy or maybe you need a different idea that you're more driven to work on or maybe you just need a good old kick up the arse. Most importantly, you need to work through as much as you can that is likely to get in your way before you start, either before you start working on the idea or before you sit down for that particular writing session because different things will get in your way all the time and once you have done that you are much better prepared you will find it much easier to concentrate and you'll be able to achieve your goals much faster and if you do want an accountability buddy we have some amazing accountability buddies in our facebook group if you pop in there you can share your writing goals with us and we can be there to give you a kick up your ass if you ever need it. Metaphorically, of course, not physically. That would breach COVID regulations. <laughs> but we, we offer moral support, inspiration. We've got plenty of advice in there. If you go to writerscookbook.com forward slash Facebook group, it'll take you straight there. Easy as that. We can't wait to see you in there and what your writing goals are for this quarter. Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.